0: Welcome to another episode of Funk. I'm Jodie Wolfe and with me today I have Sophia Gerty, 28. She's a Sydney-based journalist and she grew up in London. Sophia, thank you so much for coming and interviewing with us today. How's your morning been? It's been
1: really good. Um, it's quite a rainy day in Sydney, which I'm still getting used to at the moment. But um, I got on the ferry and I, got, I came across from the other side of Sydney. And I'm still in that stage where I'm kind of, even if it's rainy, when I'm on the ferry, I'm just kind of like excited by everything and looking at the Opera yeah. House. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm here that. still. So yeah, it's been a good day so far. Love it. And how long have you lived in Sydney? It's been just four months now so it's I mean it's honestly I think when I said I was moving here I mean obviously from the UK it's the other side of the world as you know yeah and when I said I was moving here one of my friends says you have like the biggest highs and lows when you live abroad and it is it's like it's been amazing it's just been a complete roller coaster and I think I already look back and I'm such a different person to who I was four months ago um but yeah four months are you missing family to be honest with you, I think now I do because obviously we're going a bit into autumn and winter, and I think in the summer I was just like you know I left winter in the UK and I'm like traveling around Australia and going to beaches and stuff. So I did think about them a little bit, but maybe not not as much. Hope they're not offended. Um, <laughs> Why I think now now it's getting a bit colder. I'm like oh you know it'd be nice yeah. yeah missing them a little bit more. Totally.
0: Well, um, obviously, we're talking about mental health. Mm. And I know that you have had a little bit of a journey when it comes to (laughs) that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, just diving straight in there, when did you realise that you were living with depression? And Mm. and as opposed to just
1: feeling, you know, a little bit sad, because we all feel a little bit sad sometimes. Yeah. I think so for me I mean I'm 28 as you said at the beginning which I think is not old but I think the way we speak about mental health has changed so dramatically even in the last 10 years so I think for me even like when I look back and I look at my teen years and like maybe from the age of 11 I can look back and think you know I was quite depressed and I can see that now looking back but I think probably when I was that age like you know maybe early teens I didn't have, like, the terminology to be like, oh, this is depression. Mm -hmm. Um, But probably it was more when I was a bit older, maybe, like, 18, I was at university, and there was more sort of talk about mental health and depression, and I kind of became more aware of that. And then maybe I'd, like, look it up online, which you probably should never look up health things online. (laughs) It's what I've learned. Google (laughs) doctor, be careful (laughs) with it. But I remember, like, probably, yeah, probably about 18 or 19, I'd, like, look at symptoms on, like, the NHS, you know, UK health website and see depression and be like oh wow yeah actually this does describe a lot of the things I'm going through Mm.
0: and what sort of things were those
1: things that Mm. you're saying what 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 were those things on that list I think like when I look back it was just like this this numbness like this real kind of like detachment from my feelings and I think it was and you know I say like detachment from my feelings almost detachment from everything and I just remember feeling like really not connected to any other people like not connected to my emotions at all, and um, like constant anxiety, like if ever I was in like a social situation. And then also just feeling like very down, like, you know, almost um I think, I mean, it's quite sad to talk about looking back because it's not something I really do now at, at all. You know, it's not like I've done years, but even like you 19 know, years, like self-harm and things like that, where you just feel so numb and sort of like detached from everything. And I just remember almost like, it was almost like living in a haze. Like kind of like walking down the street and kind of just not like being completely really detached from my surroundings and just you know that sometimes having days where I just couldn't get out of bed and I just felt like I had no energy physically and just you know wanted to be in my bedroom and I just couldn't speak to people and stuff like that so yeah like they were kind of like a lot of the main things
0: and if you don't mind sharing you
1: just mentioned self-harm mm. what was that for you it was, I mean, I was talking to a friend about this the other day and again, like, oh, you know, this is stuff like maybe my teen years and it was, oh, so I grew up around that kind of emo phase, face, you know. But um, I think it was, I never, you know, when I look back, I don't think there was ever anything that was intended to cause long-lasting damage or serious damage. I think for me, it was very much like I just couldn't express my emotions and I was completely emotionally blocked. And I remember like looking in the mirror and I was like, everything looks fine on the outside, but I have, I mean, so much pain on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, like the self-harm was almost a kind of like an expression or a release in the way where I'd kind of be like the physical pain sort of distracted me from a lot internally. And it was like an outside, I don't know, an outside sign that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, because that was what was driving me mad was that everything kind of seemed perfect. But then I was like, the person I was on the inside was you know in a lot of pain and there was no way like healthily that I knew at the time to kind of express that
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah I think the first time I must have done that I was I must have been like 12 or something like quite young but it was you know that it became like a coping mechanism I think when I was feeling really numb and kind of down to kind of like have that expression
0: mm-hmm. and was that
1: with an instrument or something how were you yeah it was usually I think I had like you know you have that little makeup um bag things and I think I had like a mirror break, but like, you know, by accident. So it was something like that. It would just be like mm-hmm. a if there was like a glass or mirror or something then broken. Um it would be like something something like that kind of yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, okay. Do you have scars? Not really. Like I said, I think I do have one on my hand actually, um, which was that was when I was at university. Um but no, I think or well, maybe like little minor scratch marks, but I mm-hmm. do think generally I don't think the intention was I think almost kind of like you in a way I think it was kind of like I don't think the intention was to cause like serious damage um which I'm really grateful for I think because I do sometimes you know I walk down the street and I see people that do have scars and it's just really heartbreaking to kind of have that but I've got yeah very minor like marks really but nothing that's like very obvious which I'm grateful for. Did you ever see anyone about that? Did you speak to anyone or did anyone notice? Um, I, I think no I think um, it's a funny thing so I I think when I was at university and I did go to some of the mental health services I did tell them um, and I did kind of in that capacity I think I remember them asking you know like I think the main thing was like what do you use on other infections or is anything needs to be seen I didn't I remember once I had like a, a cell mark like on my stomach area and one of my best friends was like this was when I was at like 18 or 19 she's like oh you've lost loads of weight she's like oh what does he have like you know she kind of went like oh look how you I kind of went to like <laughs> it sounds weird you uh, say so she went to lift my top but she's like my best friend so it wasn't yeah it wasn't weird I get it. but and um, and I was very much like no don't get off like you know I definitely I think at the time I was like how can no one tell like oh I'm feeling and I was kind of angry at people for not noticing but at the same time I was, I would have been horrified if anyone had known. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I kind of like kept it very hidden. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And if you don't mind sharing with listeners, what led up to that happening in your life?
1: Yeah, I think it was very, like, I think as a young kid, like, I was very expressive. Like, you know, and not all bad. Like, I remember, you know, I think I look back, I'm like, it's so sweet. Like, I was like, if I, if I had, like, my best friends come around for sleepover, I would get so excited. I'd be like, wait, literally physically waving my arms. Like I just had so much excitement that I was like, oh, you're running around. Like in fact, I do it, it's quite, I do it now when I'm really excited. I run when yeah. I walk, I'll be like walking down the street and a song I would come on that I love and I'm like running and people are like, look at me like this weird girl. Why is she running? But I was like, that as a kid, I'll get so excited. i would be like, you know, waving my arms and like so happy and so expressive. I love like acting. I love like performing. Like I love stuff like that. And then the flip side of that was that when I was upset or angry, I was very expressive about that too. (laughs) So I'd be like, you know, very fiery, like very fiery kid, very like, you know, angry. And I think, you know, like, again, I think parents are probably just doing the best they can at the time. But I think in the environment, I learned that, you know, it was very bad to express anger. And I, I kind of, being also quite sensitive, kind of internalised that as, oh, I'm really bad just because I'm fiery and kind of expressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was also an element of maybe not feeling, like, safe to express anger as well, where if I was, you know, I'd, like, question everything and, like, ask adult questions and just say yeah. whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe, like, the reaction that was that it wasn't, like, quite safe to, like, question adults or, you know, that wasn't right oh. or sort of thing. And um, so I think I really internalised that as, you know, I don't think, obviously I was a kid, so I didn't have the understanding. So I, you know, my choice for the time is either like be really expressive and just express myself freely and then I get into trouble and then I'm bad and I'm like the naughty kid or I keep them emotions in mm. and then everyone else is happy. But obviously like if you don't express stuff, it doesn't go, you know, it just, it just gets stuck inside you. Mm. And I think that was it. I think I kind of went from like early, maybe up into the age of seven or something, six or seven being like very expressive, very loud, like very like that, just suddenly being very anxious. I think going to school as well, like I've always felt quite anxious. And I just like suddenly it was like I just couldn't express myself and was constantly anxious. And I think that's when it kind of, you know, the problem started
0: But there wasn't a was there a specific I mean, was there a catalyst there that that set that anxiety off? Or was it like a, a gradual thing that just sort of evolved? I, I think
1: it kind of came I think it like gradually evolved but I think it was kind of like if I I don't know like if I was like very angry and expressive and then it's like you know I'd clash like me and my dad clash a lot and stuff like that and you know we'd clash with people so it was yeah. and then I'd kind of get often so I felt like I was kind of blamed for that I think where I was kind of like oh you know like I was the one who caused problems in the family of like always Always so, stuff, so I think it kind of like gradually I was like, you know, like kind of withdrew. I think a little mm-hmm. bit, so you felt
0: suppressed.
1: Yeah, I think I felt suppressed, but it was kind of you know, like that internal struggle. I was like, I haven't expressed this, but then it's like, no, that's bad. Like, you know, like I think it was that kind of maybe wound about being labeled as bad and naughty and stuff like that. Where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, like I, I want I don't want to be bad or naughty, <laughs> like I, mm-hmm. I, want, I want I want to be loved by everyone. So I think it was kind of like that, feeling like I was kind of like the problem one. Um, mm. But yeah, probably kind of like gradual, I would have said.
0: So, how long sort of was that lead up to when you met? We'll call him your ex. Mm. So you were obviously still in quite a dark period when you met this guy. Mm. So what's the story there? Let's let's talk about that. So. You're a teenager, you're feeling down, you're mm. feeling depressed, you're feeling anxious. And then you meet this guy, mm. you're 20 years
1: old. What's the story?
0: How did, yeah. And working? I think
1: leading, I mean, this was actually, I, mean, I know I can say this now because I'm old, I'll be, some people more, but this was my first boyfriend, really. And um, I think like leading up to this, you know, I'd had this. Like, who I was on the inside was very different to the face that I presented to other people. So, you know, I can say this now, you know, on the inside, being depressed and self-harm and stuff. If you'd known me at the time, I was, like, the party girl. I was, you know, and I think I was, like, out and I was sociable, but it was very much, like, in a very masked way, where I don't think really anyone probably at that time actually really knew me properly, because I I didn't give them a chance to as well. Um, So I think there was, like, that very much, like, that masked existence, and especially if you're, you know when I got to the age of like 16 and was like very much depressed and then the alcohol shh, is a big thing in the UK and a big thing in Australia kind of you know that gets involved and then it's like adding fuel to the fire basically where it's mm. drinking becomes a way to kind of put on this mask and like further suppress what you're feeling mm. so and I think I had had this you know already there's that kind of like disjoint about you know this hidden self so like even like my friends I'm like I'm putting on a mask the whole time so, like, intimacy, in the emotional sense, I'm massively afraid. I don't want people to get close to me because then they're going to know that, you know, the party girl image is ruined and they're going to see, like, all this stuff going on inside. So I'm keeping people at arm's length. And then boy-wise, you know, like I said, when I was a kid, I kind of internalised this belief that I was bad because I'm, like, was it expressive. I internalised that like, I'm, I'm a really bad person. So I'd go on dates. You know, I went to a very nice uni in, in England. Very nice, like, everyone that was... <laughs> lovely people and I'd go on dates with these guys and they'd take me to like the cupcake shop and like you know these really sweet lovely men young men I love a cupcake I know it's I love it no I know exactly like these like really sweet and like really lovely guys and like you know and I was like no but I'm bad like I'm, I'm a bad person so if this lovely sweet guy is going to get close to me he's going to realize I'm a bad person and he's going to run And so I had that belief that I'm really bad. So I can't go, I can't date a really nice, sweet, you know, kind, good human being because I'm a bad person. And, um, and then I think my third year of university, so I was always like keeping people at arm's length. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was probably the one, like I'd ghost people and stuff like that at that time. Because I was Mm -hmm. just like, you know, we'd get close to intimacy and I would, you know, I would just be like, no, they got to get, yeah, I would fly, you know, I'd Mm -hmm. like sleep with people and not want anything to do with them afterwards because it's just mm. that, that huge fear of intimacy um and then I met my ex in my third year of uni from there was like a date I think it was tinder maybe and we went on a date and he was like you know we went on our first date and it was like straight away there were like you know red flags like he said something horrendous like uh not not youth it it's like something where certain people shouldn't be allowed to have children or just something horrendous like he was and I was but I was like oh my god like it was almost like at where I was at the time. It was almost like, yeah, like I'm a bad person. Like, you know, this person's, you know, I must be on their level sort of thing. And it was wow. yeah. almost in a weird way, I felt more safe kind of with a bad person rather than someone like good who would reject me when they found out I was a terrible person. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like I kind of met him then.
0: And how long were you together in
1: total? Yeah, so it was, it wasn't, I mean, it was about a year and a half. And I think the final few months were, like, very fragmented. Like, we must have split up and got back together, like, 20-odd times, I would say. Mm-hmm. So it was probably just over a year and a half, maybe. And
0: and you say there was all these red flags. Mm. So, I mean, obviously you met and you liked him. Mm. But you still had the red flags. So then what happened with those red flags? Did things get worse? Or what
1: happened? Yeah, I think, like, also at the time, like, you know, I was very much in this I had no sense of choosing things that are good for me like I would you know my diet was terrible like be like having a handful of cereal for dinner or something like nothing nutritious um, my drinking habits were terrible like there was no awareness of doing things that were good for me so that was it wasn't like necessarily I was like oh I'm looking for these good qualities in a guy that wasn't in my awareness so at the time I had like this very you know like I said with the depression it was very destructive behavior I almost wanted to escape myself mm-hmm. rather than do things that were good for me so there wasn't any awareness I think at first I mean bear in mind this was my first boyfriend and I hadn't had emotional intimacy really with anyone like friendship wise even yeah. Um, so when it started it was very much like you took me away for the weekend within a week of knowing each other which obviously at the time seemed so romantic <laughs> and like oh wow like you know I've had this miserable life and then not miserable life, but like that long (laughs) 10 years or so and then I've met this Prince Charming character and he's whisking me away and he's taking me out for dinner and Mm. he was quite rich and obviously at university no one's got money no guys have money to take you out for dinner but he did so he's taken out for dinner like fancy restaurants Mm. um was he older than you? No, he was actually a year younger, but I'd say the dynamics almost felt like he was very old fashioned in a way. So it was very much like, take me out for dinner. He would insist on paying for everything, mm. took me away for the weekend, basically insisted on paying for everything. And I was like, this is so romantic. And um, this is, so you, I think at the beginning, I was like, this is, you know, I've met and I was very romantic as well. And like, I watched Disney movies and I was like, you know, that very much like looking for a guy to save you. Yeah. And I felt like that. I was like, oh, I suddenly got this emotional intimacy and I can tell him stuff. And, and then I I think the first red flag, yeah, at first it was like a fairy tale. And then he asked me very early on, maybe two weeks in relation to be his girlfriend. And I was like,
0: oh, I've got a boyfriend. <laughs> like, you
1: know, just at that age, we just focused on the label. Yeah. And then it must have been, um, I think I told him about maybe like a month or so in, I told him about, I'd had an experience a couple of years before where it was a bit like a, borderline non-consensual sexual experience and you know I never kind of looked like the labels but I'd gone to someone's house and I said no and he'd kept pushing and things like that. And I told this uh my partner you know, my ex about this. And I think rather than being supportive and I was obviously upset about it, he was like, why did you go back to his house? Or like, you know, like put the blame very much on me. And he was like, well if you go back to a guy's house, of course you're gonna to want to have sex. And I was like, and like kind of very much put the blame on me. And that was a red flag. And I think there was, you know, that was again when my instinct came up and was like, "This isn't right." But at that time, I was like, "But no, he's my, I have a boyfriend finally." So, like, yeah. I don't want to. No, I don't want to face that. Like, I want to carry on, and you know, I'm in the fairy tale. I want to carry on in a fairy tale. So I kind of like pushed that down and ignored it. I think.
0: So what happened next in that story? When did it start to go very wrong?
1: Yeah. So I think it started. So like i think these like boundary crosses they're kind of incremental and over time so it started just that like you know like i was quite a party girl and i liked going out and i liked going to with my friends and i liked dancing and dressing up and you know like whatever i was like 20 20 year olds do right
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he was very anti me going out and clubbing and things like that and he was like you know very much be like well people only go to clubs to meet someone to have sex with so you must only be going to a club because you want to meet other guys to sit with them And i was like no, like I want to, want to, you know, I want to go dance with my friends and like, I'm not, I'm not meeting anyone. Like, I'm, you know, just going in clubbing and he was like, very much like, well, you're only doing that if you want to meet someone and kind of giving me this constant grief about sort of going out. And then I had at the time, uh, male friends that they were friends that I lived with and that I was good friends with. Um, and he'd very much be like, well, you know, boys and girls can't be friends and stuff like that. And like very kind of, and I was like, well, of course you can be friends. Like, you know, these are my friends that like, I lived at them. And I didn't think it was weird at all that like, I'd go for coffee or hang out one-on-one with one of my male friends because we were friends. And then, you know, I remember my ex, I think he went to like a nightclub and he's like, I took a girl's number and I'm going to ask her for coffee. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, what? And then he was like, yeah, but she's my friend. And kind of like, he's like, well, you you're allowed male friends. So, you know, and I was like, yeah, but this is the girl you met on a night out in a club and asked for a number, which is completely different to my housemates that I live with and have a friendship with. Um, So it was like, I think they, that's kind of like how it started. Um, And then I think gradually, and the irony was early on, he kissed someone else. Oh, wow. (laughs) And, you know, give me constant grief, you know, which is always the way I think. But um, even that, like, I wanted to start with him then, but then he said, be suicidal and stuff if I start with him. So it was constant, I think, like a rodent of boundaries. I think one of the big things was if I didn't want to sleep with him, you know, whether it's because I was sick or I just didn't want to or I had a cold or whatever it was, you know, valid reasons, mm. he would constantly like push that boundary. And he'd be like, oh, I'm going to watch porn then. Like, next to me, you're not going to. so I know, yeah, like looking back, I mean, this was like 10 years, nine years ago or something. But yeah, stuff like that, that was like mm-hmm. consistent. You know, it was so much grief to say no to him that I think like subconsciously I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to stop going out or maybe, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'll have sex when I don't feel like it or something just to stop this constant kind of like push in. Um, and I think it was quite bad. But I think at university I had like a good group of friends and I lived with a big group of people. So I think that kind of kept it at bay and they didn't like him at all <laughs> like they saw straight away they're like that's not a good person um but I think it really got like a lot worse when I left university and was living in London mm-hmm. and he was still at university and his dad at the time his, his dad was, they had a very weird relationship and um, his dad told him that I was cheating on him in, in London, which I definitely wasn't. Oh. Um, and that's when he got really nasty. And it got, you know, because obviously he couldn't, he couldn't see me. He, he couldn't, he didn't have that oversight because I was living away from him. So um, that's when he got very kind of like controlling and quite sinister, I think.
0: Okay. And um, what do you mean by sinister? Was was there ever violence?
1: I think with it, um, there was like a threat of violence. So there was one time early on where he was drunk and I didn't want to have sex because I had a really bad flu and I was like, I feel sick. I was just like in my PJs, like no. And he was drunk and he like, I said no, and he literally pinned me down for a second and then I screamed and then he started crying. <laughs> and then I was like, what? what the hell is going on? And then he started crying and then I was like, you know, very shaken, obviously.
0: Mm. And
1: then suddenly he, like, switched and was like,
0: did you think I was going to attack you? Like, what the hell? What's wrong with you?
1: And it was, and I think, you know, there were times where he physically, like, not, you know, I'd be trying to get something, say, like, grab, like, biscuits or something, whatever it was, and he would, like, grab my arm and be like, no, and stuff. But I don't think, I think it was more a threat of violence. Because I think after that situation, I was like, this person will use violence. And I think I had that in the back of my head. So I was like, don't, because he was six, six, he was very, very tall, and, like a big person. So I knew like there'd be no no contest in any kind of physical fight. So I think I had that in the back of my head, but I think it was more, I would say it's definitely more like psychological and sexual, I think were like the main things, like emotional. Like um, he would, you know, like call me ugly all the time or call me too emotional or call me stupid or like say he didn't like clothes I was wearing. Um, I think like one of the worst, like emotional situations I had a a blouse on and it wasn't it wasn't a showy blouse not that even matters anyway but it would just fall forward a bit and I made a joke I was in my first job at the time in London and I was chatting to a colleague and I like went to pick something up and my blouse like look <laughs> forward a bit so you could maybe see a bit of cleavage and I kind of laughed you know I was just laughing I was like oops sorry and then you know it's just one of like funny stories and I told my ex about it and he was like oh, I hate that blouse and then it was really I, mean, I, I to be fair, like that blouse did disappear so to this day I feel like he might have taken that blouse so it did I never <laughs> saw ended. it I was like what happened to that blouse but um yeah there was one time we were on an aeroplane and I'd had like a couple glasses glass of wine and I was with him and I was like I undid a few buttons of my blouse and was being a bit flirty and you know he was my partner at the time so um I undid a few buttons of my blouse and he was like if you want to be a slut, be a slut, and ripped my blouse down all the way. So I was like half naked on a bloody aeroplane. Whoa. And then I started crying. And then he was like, why are you crying? I was like, you just ripped my blouse down. (laughs) And then he was like, no, I didn't. And it was very like psychological abuse. He was like, no, I didn't. You imagine, no, I didn't. I never did that. And it was, yeah, it was very like, I guess gaslighting is the term we use for it. But it was very like psychological like that. It's like constant erosion and constant like, yeah it was more like psychological and sexual but with the threat of violence um I think in hindsight I mean maybe it's the wrong thing to say but I think you know I was speaking to someone the other day where I think you almost in a way looking like I'm always like oh I just wish you'd punch me and then I could have gone to the police and be like look <laughs> like there's something physical and tangible to kind of show but mm-hmm. I think because it was a threat of violence there was nothing it was very hard for me to communicate that with other people mm. so yeah it was it was more kind of that side of things
0: so how did that relationship affect you mentally
1: Uh, it was huge like and I think it's mental. you know it was physical as well like as in because I was so I mean I stopped talking to my friends because I think you know partly I'm a Leo, so I'm very loyal, which in this situation was to my detriment. So I was like, I can't tell any of my friends because I, I, you know, my was like, I love him. He's my partner. And I'm like, I can't share any of this with my friends because it's disloyal because I'm in a relationship and it's disloyal. So I didn't tell any of my friends. Um, and I also think, you know, no. a lot of my friends, they were, they could see that he wasn't a good person and they didn't know it was abusive, but they were like, that's not a good person. Mm. So I think it was, you know, I became like withdrawn from like my support network um because I couldn't be honest about like what was going on. So I think that massively impacted my mental health. And yeah, I think like the constant stress, like, because we kept breaking up and getting back together. And it was, you know, like he would be very much like, be like really nice, like I love you, and all this stuff. And I'd feel like, oh, yeah, we're safe. And then suddenly withdraw. And then I'm like walking on eggshells all the time. So I was so stressed and so like, even like there were certain words I'd pronounce a certain way, and he'd have a go at me for it. He'd like, you know, or even foods that I ate. He'd have a go at me for certain food that I ate. So I was like walking on eggshells the whole time, and was completely stressed. And I think even at one stage, like, I had actually, like, my hair falling out. Like, not, thankfully, uh, not too badly, but I did notice. I was like, oh, my God, like, my hair, like, I'm, you know, because the stress was so bad. Um. So, yeah, constantly on edge, like, losing sleep. I'd be at work and just, like, checking my phone, like, not being able to focus on my work at all. So just a constant state of, like, anxiety. And was that gradual throughout your relationship? Or did it, was it always there? I think worse. it got worse I think it, yeah it got worse like I said when I can't remember how far in but when I moved to London um and I think yeah I think there had been I think there was maybe a day where I had it crossed my mind maybe to split up with him or that I was less in the relationship maybe I can't remember when it was like when we physically moved apart And I think maybe he picked up on that and it was almost like that's when he got like very controlling and stuff because he was afraid of me leaving him. So, um, yeah, I think it was after we, when we were physically separate, that's when it kind of, you know, that got really bad. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think less so in the early stages. And your
0: friends and family, they must have noticed that, you know, you weren't well.
1: I think it's hard to know because, like I said, I didn't really communicate openly with people and I think it's only like me and my cousin are very close and it was things like I said because I used to be like very much like party girl and going out and things like that and then suddenly I remember like my first job I was like like, it was like dressing like Kate Middleton (laughs) which isn't my vibe at all like god bless (laughs) Kate Middleton or actually I don't know what we're meant to call her now okay um but I like you know I'd like go out and I'd wear like false eyelashes and like you know really fun stuff I love like a black dress and like so and then I was like or dressing like threes at once I don't yeah it a very, but you know wearing like really long skirts yeah. and like I remember people were being like oh let's go to the pub I was like I don't really like going to the pub <laughs> and, like which is an absolute lie like I love it <laughs> but at the time I was like you know And I think I don't think family and friends it's a hard one because like I said I wasn't really open with people at the time but I'm like my cousin who I am close to like after we split and stuff she was like oh my god like you were not yourself like when I look back like you were just not you're like a completely different person what was the worst thing for you that happened in that relationship for me it's and this probably is something I probably won't go into details of but it was probably like the sexual stuff I think was the most traumatic I think because it was you know I would say it's like sexual abuse because I think it's very hard if we talk about like rape and things like that it's very difficult a lot of our terminology around that is if you walking down an alleyway and someone comes out of the shadows and rugby tackles you and that's how we see kind of things like that when actually a lot of that stuff happens within relationships and abusive relationships and I think when you're in the context of an abusive relationship it's very difficult you know you're you know I think there was one time where I said no and I don't want to and he kind of went ahead and was he said something like well if you had wanted me to stop me, you would push me off and I was like and you know at the time I was like oh maybe I would have and then I was like actually you know he was 6'3 and also my boyfriend so you know we think we don't have to bloody get in a fist fight with your partner every time you don't want to and so, so I think it was it was probably like that kind of thing and you know like again not to be quite like violent and I'd say more like degrading stuff that was really upsetting because I think it's obviously you know, there's one element of that stuff happening, which is very difficult. Um, but there's also the element of this is someone who I considered my best friend at the time. And someone I told, you know, when I said I was depressed when I was younger, he was probably the first person I told about that. Mm-hmm. So it was someone that I trusted probably more than anyone I would trusted in my life before that. And I kind of like I think at the time I saw it as it's a bit like when you're in like a horror film or, you know, when you watch a horror film and the person's in the house. And they know someone's trying to tax them and they're trying to kill them and they're like locking all the windows and they're mm. getting their friends out and they're like locking mm. the doors and then the person's in the house with them. Like that's how it felt, I think, when I realised. But it was definitely, I think it was the sexual stuff, I think, that probably left like the biggest scar. Right. Um, because this was someone I'd been close with. It wasn't a random mm. stranger. Like, I think um I had... I don't know like years later I was at a party and I fell asleep on the sofa and then my best friend was there and then randomly a guy at the party I started sleeping came and tried and like groped me and I woke up and I like tried to punch him in the face and he ran away and then my friend I told my friend she was like oh my god I'm so sorry you know like that's awful and we had a hug and that situation never left the scar as as much as that's horrible but I was like, I didn't know that guy my first instinct was to punch him but this situation with my ex, where it was like someone I had a deep emotional relationship with. Mm. So that for me was kind of like really what left the scar. So you did love him? Yeah, I think, you know, I think looking back now, I'm like, I, I mean, I, you know, I think sometimes when you love people, you love them forever. I definitely don't, don't love him. Um, but I at the time, I definitely did feel like I love him. I think it was very like that love we're younger, it was very anxious. <laughs> love is not, you know, I think now I see love as like, you know, people I love it's very calm and they make me feel safe. Whilst well, this was like this like love that made me feel very anxious. A roller coaster. A roller, coaster a roller coaster love. love. But yeah. yeah, at the time I would have said definitely that I loved him.
0: Mm. And when did you decide to end it? Mm. How how you've been together for a year and a half, right? Before you We'd been it.
1: together a year and a half. Yeah. And I think the last few months have been very like fragmented. Um I think, I mean, to be honest with you, it was like we were very, you know, there we kept breaking up and getting back together. And I think like my whole gut and body and everything was like, I don't want to be near this person. And it was to the extent we'd split up for like a week or two weeks. And I'd start to like get better and be happier. Mm-hmm. And then we'd get back together and it'd be like, oh, and I think my friends noticed that, which I think was obviously hard for them because it's like, oh, great, she's out. And then hopefully she's back in again. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, so yeah, there was lots of like on and off and, like I think I think I mean after this yeah like it's very you know talking about trauma after this very like violent horrible sexual experience I think he was it's quite complicated I think he had a lot of trauma as well and he was quite upset by it I think he knew he'd get drunk and he'd be crying and being like I'm so sorry how I treat you and then next (laughs) maybe a different person it was a very weird situation Mm -hmm. um I think probably I think at that stage, to be honest with you, it was almost like I wouldn't have left. I think I was so, like, eroded. And I think finally, like, the last time we split up, he had ended things. And then it was probably, like, about a bit after that, I suddenly, you know, it was after he ended things. And I was away with him, away from him for a bit, that suddenly I saw it. And that's when I, like, locked him on everything and, like, cut all contact and was like, I don't want this person anywhere near me. Mm. But I think, you know... I think at the time I'm like, oh, I wish I'd ended it. But I think like the final time, but I would think, I feel like I would have been, always been looking over my shoulder because I think if I had ended it, I would have been like, yes. he would have hated that. Um, so I think thankfully it's like, oh my God, okay, at least he ended it. So I wasn't worried about like getting revenge attacked or anything. Mm. Um, but yeah, then I realized and I like just cut all contact.
0: So how were you mentally at that stage? obviously
1: quite vulnerable after that yeah so I think it was it's a bit like you know when like a little kid hurts themselves or they fall over and they don't notice it at first and then suddenly someone else notices it and they're like ah, like you know and I think it was a bit like that like it was things ended and that was almost like when the real horror started because I think i had been so numb like I was almost like I don't know if you ever see people in abusive relationships and stuff where they're a bit like spacey. I was like very much like spacey and detached. And then it was almost like after we set out properly, that's when the pain kind of hit. And I think I remember like, I, think I read like an article on domestic abuse or something. And I was like, oh crap, like this has been an abusive relationship. This is a dangerous person. Like they know where I live. They know where my family lives. Like this is a really dangerous person to be about. Um, he had actually, I found this out Maybe you're also in. He'd been arrested for gang rape before he met me. Um and had like he'd had his people and his family arrested for stuff like that. And there was, you know, I was like, this is and he'd actually um, said to me that had he been found guilty, he would have his family or whatever, would have paid to have the girl who accused him killed. And so I had that in the back of my head. I was like, this is a dangerous person. Like
0: So did he admit to you that? he'd been involved with that gang,
1: right he admitted so when he told me about it he admitted openly that he had had sex with this girl (laughs) with another person after or before another guy had. um so he did admit that and at the time was like said that she it was consensual basically and then she had later regretted it and made up that because she was a feminist, hated you know, men, and that's what feminists do. Yeah. yeah, so that was what you said at the time, and then I think. You believed was, him, you believed him at that stage. Um, you know, it was a funny thing, I, yeah, I was very much, like I would say almost, yeah, I was almost in that brainwashed state where I'd lost all of myself, it was just mm. believe in, you know, his truth over my truth. I, it was one of the things, like I think at the time, I had one of my male friends told me that, I would have been like, absolutely, this girl's made it up, having known them, and they would never do that. With him, there was, like, this really sickly feeling, especially I'd been in a relationship with him and knew what he was like with consent. Mm. There was this sickly, like, I'm almost not surprised. Like, there was, and I think I did quiz him when he was drunk about it more, and there was, like, mm, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't necessarily believe this story. Uh, um,
0: that must have been hard for you, eh?
1: Yeah, it was very difficult. And I I I think that's, I mean, afterwards I was like, crap, this is a really dangerous person. Um, So I think it was afterwards and there was this, you know, this feeling of, like, complete unsafety. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, and this person's got more money than me, a lot more money. (laughs) I didn't didn't have loads of money at all. and I felt very unsafe. And I I think that was when when I realised, when I saw the truth of the situation, that's when, like, I'd be at work and I'd have panic attacks. I started having, like, anxiety attacks. And, like... It was almost after I was away from the situation that all that started.
0: Almost like you'd been in shock.
1: Yeah, I think it was. I was like in shock. I was like completely numb. And then when I was actually away and the threat was removed, Mm. that's when I was like, oh my God. Do
0: you think it was relief as well that you were
1: out of that environment? Oh yeah, I think massively. Like I think (laughs) definitely, I think it was like, you know, a couple of weeks later, I think you know actually getting over him in terms of a relationship I probably did that in like two weeks in terms of actually missing someone it was very quick but it was more like oh my god like I've been in yeah there was definitely relief and then there was all this emotion come up like you know when I talked about like being numb for years like the depression stuff like that it was like I cracked and all this emotion like just burst out basically like all in one go Mm
0: -hmm. and like
1: in a very you know it was very frightening because I hadn't had Express emotion in like years, yeah, right. so it was terrifying, and it was just like this moment. I think at like one moment, I just remember just completely just couldn't hold it in anymore, and it was like hysterical. Wow! Mm.
0: And you obviously were very brave mm. moving forward. Has there been were, were there any points where you wanted to go back?
1: No, I think never to him. I think the second I found out it was abusive, I was like, "I need to cut all contact with this person." And, um, yeah there was never any stage I think I think once I saw that and realized like the truth of that situation I was like there was never any stage where I, I want to be in contact with this person at <laughs> all so I was like no like I want to keep this person as far away as possible
0: and how has that affected you in relationships today
1: yeah I think there's been a lot of so I think after that you know that for me like triggered a whole healing thing really like that was definitely you know, like, that reaching rock bottom, like, mentally, and, like, you know, even at one stage of time after that, I was, like, suicidal and stuff, like, it was absolute rock bottom, I ended up, like, I don't know, it's, like, I stopped trying to keep it all together, <laughs> literally was, like, just went to A&E, which is, like, emergency, whatever, in, in the UK, and mm. was just, like, this is the help me sort of thing, wow. and that was, like, kind of, like, when I stopped trying to, like, Push things down I was like let's actually deal with this properly
0: mm. and
1: like got into you know did therapy I did acting I did all these things that like reconnected into my emotions mm. and learning to express myself again and um, so definitely like that was a whole journey I think relationship wise that wasn't a really consideration like early on I think there was I did there was someone early on almost afterwards he was a lovely person and was interested in me and I did like him, but I was like, I'm not in a state. I was like, I just knew I was like, I'm not in a if I get in a relationship now, it's gonna be an absolute horror show. <laughs> like, and I just knew it was sad because I liked someone, but I was like, I'm not in a space for that. I know I needed to like focus on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for years I just wasn't even like open to anything. Um, and then now I think the last few years, it's I mean, it is a constant. It's a constant struggle because I think I was one thing I did struggle with a lot a lot was um disassociation during sex and not being able to emotionally connect with someone, mm-hmm. which I think that was quite difficult it was obviously in a healthy relationship, like people need connection, so I mm-hmm. felt a bit like, oh you know, I don't know, maybe ashamed, not ashamed, but I just think like being damaged and stuff like that. Then I think in recent years, you know. Maybe like mine's particularly severe, but I think everyone has baggage at this age. (laughs) Everyone's got their stuff. So I think it's like communicating that. And I think, you know, most, you know, decent partners, obviously, and, you know, obviously if they're not nice about that, then that's a huge red flag and they're out. But uh, yeah, generally, I think it's just having that communication. Mm -hmm.
0: So are you with a therapist now or what kind of things do you do to keep yourself well? I think now, like,
1: I'm not, I think I last saw a therapist before, maybe like last year a bit. Um I think it, for me, it's definitely moved on. Like I've done, like I said, a lot of stuff over the years. And I am generally like, I think I saw this thing by Tom Holland the other day, where he was like, I
0: cry like three or four times a week.
1: He was like, I never used to cry. <laughs> and I'm like, I think that's me. Like I went from being someone who's like very numb to like, I do definitely feel like my emotions, like I will cry I will cry, so, and I'll cry because I'm happy. Like I'll cry because there's like a sunset or something like that, yeah. or I feel my watch. So I think I'm generally quite like very in touch with my emotions, and mm-hmm. um, I don't really. Of course, I get sad. Like I do get sad, but I will have a cry and just like ugly cry, let it out, like <laughs> ring my friend. <laughs> be like, oh, um, you know, I don't. I definitely don't have that like the numb, depressed feeling I used to have. Like it's mm-hmm. you know, I feel my emotions a lot. But I don't, like, get into that. But I think generally for me right now, I've moved much more into, like, physical healing stuff. So I do, like, I think it's really important to have that authentic connection with people. So I do, like, breath work sometimes. I find really good, like, movement therapy. So I go to, like, this thing every now and again, which is really good, where... Like, have a dance. Um, I do burlesque, actually, at the moment. Do you? Yeah, it's such a shame because the school that do-it clothing down, and I love them. Aww. But um, it's been really healing sexually, I think, because mm. I think in the past, I was like, to heal myself sexually, I was like, I have to be really out there and go, you know, where, like, I don't know, like, be really sexual. Um, Whereas I think with burlesque, it's been more, like, connecting to sexuality without actually having sex, like, being mm. sensual. And the ballet school I go to is really good where it's like we wear laundry and it's women of all different shapes and sizes and you basically just choose a song and you dance to it and it's, it's all about expressing yourself. It's not like having certain rules. It's not like, you know, when you go, and it's like step one, step two and you're just yeah. learning steps. It's like just choose your favorite song, just express yourself. I think sexually for me, that's been massively healing because it's just like, it's kind of like bringing my sexuality, like out into the open and feeling, like, safe to connect to it. Because mm-hmm. I think, yeah. you know, like I say, this was my first boyfriend. And I had, like, slept with people before, like, not but not many <laughs> at all. And because I was scared of intimacy, it was, like, very, like, separate from my life. But this was my first sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, so there was, for me, it's like that feeling of being sexual was, like, unsafe. Like, oh, if I'm sexual and connected to someone, then I'm unsafe. So then I connect that. And so I think doing things like burlesque, has enabled me to um feel safe in it and I, I think even to an extent even you know when you're younger and even before my ex like you dress up and you go to a nightclub and you feel sexy and then you have a guy come up and like slap your ass and you feel really unsafe and it's like so I connected that with like showing off sexually as someone's going to attack me whilst yeah. the ballet class is like the safest place yeah, right. ever it's so nice it's so nice I love it it's like people be dancing and they're all sexy and it's just all women in the room and we're like oh like we're clapping for each other and we're like you're so
0: gorgeous
1: like, you know, it's like very like the safest environment in the whole world yeah awesome
0: so would you feel ready for a relationship now
1: um i think it's a tough i was thinking was oh, funny i was thinking about this today because my friends talk about something um it's it's a difficult one i think i think sort of i think it's i mean i dated someone briefly over summer like it's really in summer I think it's definitely feeling there's a lot more comfortable communicating stuff um, I think potentially if I met the right person but I think there's still there's still maybe a little bit where I think relationships is like you give up who you are maybe subconsciously and there's still like I'm like oh I want to express myself and stuff like that but I think ultimately yeah I think like the right person which you know you notice I think the right person is like and I've noticed with men who I would say really like me where I've said oh I love I love doing acting classes and they're like oh my god that's amazing like you know like I love that for you and they're like very much like supportive they're like mm-hmm. you should do this and you know like I remember one guy years ago he was like he was so he was like he was like you're so good in front of people you should present presenting." and like Aww. you know he was like he said something like your brains and stuff you should be rule- brains and beauty you should be ruling the world and like very Aww. much like you should picking you up yeah you should mm-hmm. pursue your dreams like follow your passions yeah. and I think guys he really like me have been very much like that and they love all my little quirks and like weird things why I think guys who haven't or put, where I put on a face maybe they're like oh that's a bit weird or like I'm like I'm going off to a crystal circle and they're like <laughs> they're like oh that's a bit weird or you're a bit weird and I think like yeah so I think the right person would be like aligned with my, like me yeah and, and have their own quirks as well, yeah. I'm sure. Love, yeah. love a quirk. Love a quirk. <laughs> love a quirk in a guy. <laughs> We're all quirky, babe. Yeah, We're no. quirky. No, I love it Nothing when a guy... Nothing wrong with a quirk. Yeah, when a guy has a random passionate hobby, I'm like, that's so attractive. But yeah. It's like, oh, I just love something random. I'm like, I don't care what it is. <laughs> like, I'm just like, they love it. Like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. So what
0: would some advice be to your younger self,
1: that girl that, that met that, that guy? I, it's a difficult one because I think there'd be so much but it's also hard because I think that definitely you know that relationship kind of did break me but it also it, it broke who I was and in a way it's like because I was so scared of expression emotions it's like I almost had to reach this point where it's like it was almost express or die sort of thing it's like They're either right. you're gonna crumble or you're just gonna let go of who you are
0: mm-hmm.
1: which at the time like you know it's like I started again basically where I was like I went back to that stage when I'd been like five or six and just went back to learning how to express myself. And so I did like stuff, which you know in hindsight was like the best thing really, because I just gave up like all my mask and everything. Um I think it'd probably be to like trust like definitely just you know have this trust. Um you know I, I can't describe it's almost like because I'm like spiritual I'd say now and it's like that just that trust in like the universe and things like that and things yeah. that are going to be okay um and yeah definitely just have that like self-belief that like i'm made perfectly how i'm meant to be so everything about me is like perfect in terms of like who i'm meant to be so i don't need to like change to fit in um and probably like yeah probably like to ask for help as well because i think it's like i would never cry in front of people and i think actually it's like yeah, that's how people bond when they see you vulnerable. That's actually how you connect with people. And I think I spent all these years like, oh, I'm going to put on a mask and be strong and stuff like that because I don't want people to, you know, I don't want to be a burden and I don't want people to have to look after me. But actually, like that's how we form connections. Is it's like you know when my friends cry and they have a breakdown and I hold them there, and I listen to them and then when I cry and have a breakdown <laughs> and that's how we form like human connections. So I think they're like some of the main things, but just yeah really just that love for myself because I think you know it's at the time maybe straight afterwards I thought I was the issue for loving someone too much uh, I was like oh the issue is that I've loved this guy too much and I've like would would have done anything for him and you know I was like and I look back I was like no that wasn't the issue like the fact I was so loyal and committed to that relationship <laughs> which is it's just funny how like your good traits can backfire on you sometimes but I think like, I'm very much like, I can achieve this. I can do it. I can do it, which is great for, like, business or something. <laughs> but when you're in an abusive relationship and you're like, I'm coming up with all these strategies to make this relationship work. You wanted it to work. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. doing everything. Like, I was like, I will put all my, you know, and I mm. would, that's the thing, like, he ended it, I would not have given up on someone, which is a great trait. But I think because I had that, you know, I was able to love someone so much, but I was, I didn't have the love for myself. Mm. Whereas I think now it's like where my love for myself is strong. I'm like well you know if someone's not I can love someone but if they're not willing to put in their effort or give me something or they actually make me sad or I do love myself enough I'm like I can walk away from it even mm. if it's gonna hurt them which I think yeah
0: and that self-love that you're talking mm. about and that self-worth essentially mm. how much do you feel
1: for you that mm. was linked to your mental health if at all what in terms of like not having self love or or having it? Oh, I think massively. I think because I think when you love yourself, it's um you know like love. I always think it's a verb. I don't know that's cheesy, but it is a verb. So when you love yourself and you're like I'm worthwhile on this planet, it's life changing because you go from being like I have to. You it's, you go from being like whatever you're like your own best advocate then, and so you go from being like, oh people don't have to be like this or like this person who's in a higher power position to me is like I have to do they, you know, all this stuff when actually it's like, when you really love yourself, you are like, no, I'm just as valid as any other person. And then it's really like life changing because, you know, you're, it's, it's a complete like change of life and things like that. Because I like even moved into Australia, like in, if I was unhappy in the UK, like old me, or if, if I was in a situation where I was unhappy or anything, my old before I love myself, it's like oh, there must be something wrong with me, and it's like you know, I'm gonna make it work, and I'm gonna like you know, there's something wrong with me. But then when you move to like loving yourself, it's like oh, I'm not happy in this environment. I'm gonna just move away from this, or like like I don't like that person. Like I'm not gonna hang out with them. Or you know, it's like I had someone I was friends with who made me feel really unsafe and had a lot of toxic behavior. And in the past, I was like, oh, I have to be friends with this person because I've known them since I was like 11 years old and wrote all this. And I was like, no, like my body feels unsafe around this person. Like, I'm not happy and me just choosing stuff is enough reason mm. to you know be like I don't have to have a reason I'm like I don't want to go to something if I don't want to do something it's like I'm like I have that self-love so it's yeah it's completely I think mental health wise yeah because I, I think you know ultimately I think I can't speak for everyone but I think for me like depression anxiety and stuff like that it is suppression it's where we're not being honest with our own selves and what we want and so it's like when if people in a job they hate they get depressed because it's like they're not acknowledging they don't want to be in that situation or if they're in a relationship they don't want to be and they get anxious and depressed and it's like it's that suppression of your truth whilst if you actually you know yeah it's like rather than things everything going through my head I feel things in my body Mm. so I'm like I'll cry and I'll you know whatever but I don't it doesn't all go through my head Mm. it's Mm. I feel it in everything Mm. so you're definitely stronger now than you were then would you say oh 100% I would say that the thing is with it I would say I'm a strong person but I think also like I had to remind myself this recently is I think being a strong person definitely doesn't mean you don't like break down or you don't cry or whatever I think you know I had like I say recently I thought oh I'm a strong person like, I have to be super sassy and automatically like if someone crosses a boundary I, like suddenly like straight away like snap into it and you know you know, like in films, it's a bit like in films and stuff. You know, when you see like a woman in film just like slapped on the bum by a stranger, and she turns around and she's like super sass and slaps around the face. It's like I think we'd all love to be like that, <laughs> but in reality, like some days you're just having a bad day and like things catch you off guard, and you're a bit like what, like you know. But I think it's also yes, being strong doesn't mean like oh I'm gonna you know be super sassy. I'm gonna be like this. It can be like being strong can be like you know it's a process and it's a constant work, and it can be like. I'm going to go away and I'm going to look after myself for a weekend and then I'm going to tackle this situation rather than like having to do everything in the moment. Um, yeah, I would say I'm a strong person. I d- yeah, I definitely have bad days, 100%. But I think it's more the increased awareness where, don't get me wrong, I've done it, like especially moving to Australia, like <laughs> moving to the other side of the world has brought obviously like stuff up. But I think it's that awareness of, like, there's more of an awareness where, you know, the days where I decide to deal with being upset by going out and drinking two bottles of wine, they happen now and again, but they're very few and far between. Mm. So it's like, oh, I'm feeling really sad. I'm feeling really vulnerable. Um, I'm going to, like, take myself. I'm going to just have a weekend to myself, for example. I'm going to go get a massage or I'm going to, like, call a good friend. It's like how you deal with that. Um, I'm going to think yeah it's it's a weird thing because I think the strongest I've got the softest I've got it's not like strong is being hard it's like actually like when I was depressed and stuff I was very hard on the outside but you know I was like very hard person but now I'm quite a soft person but I sound a much stronger person mm, that's interesting like the sea in the ocean yeah <laughs> strong like the sea that's yeah. a great way of putting it though yeah it is yeah yeah it's true I think yeah, that's because you're strong in the software. I can't, it's a weird thing. I like, can't describe it, but it's like I'm not stoic.
0: No, I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> I'm not like
1: strong and silent. I totally get it. Yeah, honestly,
0: I think that's a really beautiful way of putting it. Yeah, a very accurate, yeah,
1: descriptive way of saying it for sure. Yeah, I'm not strong and silent type. Yeah, strong and loud. Yeah. (laughs) Hear me roar. Yeah, exactly. Very much like that. Keep roaring, babe.
0: Be loud with that roar. Yeah, I'm a funniest Leo. Yes, yes. Leo the lion. Yeah. I've got so many Leos in my life. It's really weird. What are you? I'm Aries. Oh, wow.
1: Okay, you're like the the most, yeah, you're like (laughs) the only one's like slightly more fiery. (laughs) yeah there's a lot of fire there yeah there's a lot of fire yeah Um, yeah yeah. yeah. so when I spoke to the other day there's like (laughs) uh, something like they owe to their success to their Aries temperament and I was like play I I love love that I was like yeah I was like yeah and I was like am
0: Aries I'm really impatient I'm like yeah oh god I'm so impatient it's terrible get stuff done Um, yeah I'm a doer for sure um yeah okay so just just wrapping it up then really just some advice that you would give for someone that may be going through
1: a similar situation to you were right now yeah i think I mean I think the main thing is like don't judge yourself at all like it does all start with like self love and self acceptance like you have to accept like wherever you are, like you know wherever you are at, like you have to you can't abandon yourself, like you do have to even if you you know i've like definitely when I was in my rocky patch like got way too drunk and you know like upset people and made idiot myself but you can't abandon yourself like my first main lesson is like you know if you are in an abusive relationship or if you are depressed or like don't shame yourself don't abandon yourself like accept like where you are and you know love yourself where you are like I am quite happy now but that came from loving myself when like things weren't good and you know never like abandoning yourself even if other people abandon you yeah, whatever. I'm not going to abandon myself. So I think that's like the first thing is like self love and like accepting where you are and feeling. Don't judge your emotions. Like if you feel jealous of someone, feel that. Like you don't have to tell them. <laughs> like I'm jealous of you, but be, admit yourself if you like don't like someone. Admit you know all these feelings that we judge like jealous and anger. Yeah, if you're feeling angry, like right. I've spoken to a lot of people where maybe they've had a partner and he's cheated on them, and they're like, like they're like, well, at least, you know, this, you know, at least i you know, whatever. And I'm like, you just want to scream. You're like, oh for God's sake, women just punch a pillow. And like, you know, like, well, it worked out okay. And you're just like, ah, just be angry. Like, let yourself feel. I think that's like the first thing. And then I think the second thing is like, trust yourself. Like build that relationship with yourself so much rather than like looking for other people, you know, like looking for other people to do stuff. I think like trust yourself so much because I think it's, Yeah, it's completely different. Like if I feel something about someone now or if someone does something and I'm like, "Mm -hmm, that kind of crossed the boundary. I don't really feel right about that, how that person behaved or treated me. Like in the past, it'd be like, yeah, but you know, but they were just this and they were like that. And I'm like, but no, it feels right for me to express it. And I think that's kind of how you become more like a leader in your your own life.
0: Mm.
1: Where like I do plenty of stuff where it's like, it's not socially acceptable, (laughs) but I just say stuff. I do always just tell people stuff and you know a lot of like my friends have like facepalm like why did you have to say that you could have just not said anything and I'm like no but like I had to say something like I feel yeah. like very much I'm like I can't not say something <laughs> to my own detriment a lot of the time but I'm like no I have to and I think but that's you know and even like moving to Australia and even like I did acting lessons and I didn't want to be an actor and people are like what are you doing no like spending thousands of pounds in mm. acting lessons yeah method acting and stuff and they're like Do you want to be active? I'm like, no. They're like, why are you doing this? I was like, no, but like my gut was telling me. Yeah. It's like, you need to do this. And I knew when to leave as well. And it's like, just trust in your gut because you don't, like I've had it before, even really weird stuff where I'd been looking for an answer for a question and my gut's like, go for a walk. And i go for a walk. I go to a coffee shop and I get speaking to a stranger and then they put the answer to the question no yeah I've had that happen all the time it was really weird like really weird I'm just like oh like and I just follow my gut with stuff I randomly meet people that I meant to meet and like wow. just it will work out yeah right
0: <laughs>
1: yeah I was chatting to a driver about this yesterday and he was exactly the same it was great It was like this guy in his late 40s and we're just like trust the universe and I was like <laughs> I feel like Forrest Gump where I just like <laughs> trust and then suddenly I just get randomly appear and you know i was just like what's going but whatever, <laughs> just trust it. <laughs> trust yeah, trust your gut.
0: So is that your motto for life? Trust it.
1: Yeah, it is. Just like trust the universe. I'm like literally like Yeah. yeah I'm just like, trust the universe. Like it'll work out. Yeah. Are you happy? Yeah. I would yeah, I would say I'm like quite soft this weekend, but I would say generally happy. Um well I'm connected, I see it less like happy, but I'm like connected to how I feel and I feel safe. Even when things do go wrong, I'm like there'll be a lesson in this somewhere yeah. <laughs> so there's some reason why I'm meant to be experiencing this right now and it's always yeah when you feel really low now and I don't mean depressed low just like sad or whatever there's always a high afterwards there's you always clear something and then you're like what? And it's like you know yeah. yeah and I always kind of remember that I'm like I'm healing something
0: Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, you're very welcome. I enjoyed it. I feel it's like
1: I've done such a great chat. Yeah, my memoirs or something. Memoirs? Yeah. I don't imagine, like, well, you know if that's a right Yeah. Chronicles of my life. No, it's been fab. <laughs> I'm, it? <laughs> I'm only 28, and I was just like, right, life's sort over. Of like, oh, God. But, like, hopefully, I've still got another like 50 years or something. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I'm
0: sure you've got some time. <laughs> yeah, here. I hope so. Yeah. yeah, of course. What's 23 got going
1: on for you? What are we in? March or April? Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is just settling into Australia still. Yeah. Um, I want to start making TikToks, actually. That's my next thing. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of, like, slightly more, like, I always have a thing with sharing. I love sharing with people. Mm-hmm. But I used to, like, share and then feel really unsafe. Like, you know, when you share and you're like, ah, like, yeah. run away. Or, like this, like, kind of like a little kid when they go towards the sea and they're scared of it and then they yeah. run away. And I think now I'm kind of more comfortable sharing. So I'm like. That's great yeah like more consistent sharing with the world really love that well I look forward to seeing them I'm not on TikTok
0: you're not I I'm think you should so, be on it I see I'm that I'm not down with the kids but <laughs> you have to, see that. Have to send me them when you do them and oh them. Goodness. and I love a look they'll be everywhere so yeah <laughs> can't wait thank you Sophia um and uh, we will speak again thank
1: you very much thanks Jodie